I'm Warren Smith, and thanks for joining us for the Ministry Watch podcast. At Ministry Watch, we bring you the latest in charity and philanthropy, all designed to help us become better stewards of the resources God has entrusted to us. On today's Ministry Watch Extra episode, my guest is Paul Coughlin. Paul is the founder and president of The Protectors, an Oregon-based nonprofit committed to ending bullying in schools, churches, and elsewhere. He's an expert regarding bullying and the law and is a Fox News contributor. He's appeared on Good Morning America, Nightline, C-SPAN, the LA Times, the New York Times, Newsweek, and other media outlets. Paul is also the author of eight books on the topic of bullying, including his most recent, Free Us From Bullying, Real Solutions Beyond Nice. Paul, welcome to the program. Uh, You and I have known each other for, I don't know, maybe 10 years, but we don't get to see each other very often, so it's really nice to be able to talk with you today. You and I have talked a lot about the subject of bullying, especially in the Christian environment. Uh, I was interviewing you for an article on the topic a couple of weeks ago, and while we were talking, I was thinking, you know, there's an old saying that says the best radio often happens during the commercial breaks, and it occurred to me that the conversation you and I were having, some of which I did use in an article I was working on, was a conversation that we really needed to put on the podcast. It's just really good stuff. So again, thanks for being on the program. Oh, thanks for having me. More a lot of respect for what you do. And uh, yeah, I've been looking forward to this. We're going to talk about a lot of things, so I want to make everyone aware here at the beginning that a lot of the stuff we'll be talking about today is from your new book, Free Us From Bullying. Paul, I think the main reason that I wanted to interview you is that we're seeing a lot of bullying and narcissistic behavior within the church and in Christian ministry environments. So let's just start off with kind of the big picture. Is this a bigger problem than it has been in the past, or are we just more aware of it than we have been in the past? Well, that is a great question. I think we're becoming more aware of it because uh, I believe now uh, more and more targets of bullying, and in this case in ministry, are realizing that they don't have to take it as much as they had been told in the past. Um, And they're getting access to, frankly, exposing this behavior that they didn't have uh, before. So, you know, that's a really good sign. You know, I was writing Free Us From Bullying. Um, I was interviewing someone for the book and they told me that, you know, the big two things that removed a a pastor from ministry obviously would be um, sexual misconduct and financial misconduct. Bullying um, staff and, and others, that was seen as, well, you just better suck it up. Uh, but then Mark Driscoll comes along in Mars mm-hmm. Hill and he's removed uh, in large part for accusations of serial bullying. And I think that gave other people courage to stand up to it as well. Well, yeah, I think that's right. I think Mark Driscoll was kind of a turning point, maybe a tipping point. And we've obviously written a lot about that here at Ministry Watch. I broke some of those stories when I was at World Magazine back probably 2014 or so. And I've continued to write about it here at Ministry Watch as well. And I do think that is a big deal, but it also raises a question. You know, I was talking with a Christian leader about three weeks ago. Uh, Where is the line between bullying and the kind of strong, decisive decision-making that 
is both necessary and appropriate. And by the way, a lot of employees really value strong and decisive leadership. So where do you draw the line, Paul? Yeah, uh, no is one of the most spiritual words you will ever say. And some people will think that, you know, being told no is bullying. It isn't. I think, uh, and, and often in my work, there's one person who I am told regularly is a strong leader, but not a bully, Rick Warren. That's what I've heard. Um, I hope that's uh, the case. And um, yeah, being decisive, being strong, having a strong opinion, that's not bullying. Bullying is the uh, repeated act of uh, demeaning other people, dominating them, putting them down on purpose multiple times in the workplace for no justifiable reason. So it's not a one-off where the person just has a, you know, is having a bad day and they lose their temper. And then later on, they're like, oh man, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. You make up, you move on. No, this is a, this is a ongoing habitual on purpose behavior designed to harm other people. And if you're not one of those people, it's roughly 15% of the people you know uh, uh, can be a bully or, uh, or, or may activate to be a bully. So when you're the 85% of people who would not do that to another person, we don't know. Uh, we, we just think that person uh, doesn't know what they're doing. Uh, like, for example, that person uh, from Florida running the uh, the radio station there. I guarantee yeah. that the, the people who work for him said, well, if he just understood what he was doing more, he wouldn't do it. That's not the case. These people know what they're doing and they would do more of it if they could get away with it. So there's a big difference. Well, for those of our listeners who may not be clued in, we're talking about Z Ministries, radio station WPOZ down in Orlando, Florida, and a leader there named Jim Hogue, who has been in the public eye because of his leadership and management style. Paul, when I was interviewing you for that story about Z Ministries, you said something that really caught my attention. You said that the love language of a serial bully is power and consequences. Yeah, well, I worked for one. I worked for more than one. And that story reminded me so much of this one person I used to used to work for. And uh, yeah, so in, 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 and in the same case, in my workplace, we brought in a pastor like they did with this gentleman at the radio station, thinking that that would help. And we certainly put a lot of hope in that. In fact, we prayed earnestly that it would. And uh, the, the bully just went by the bullies kiss up and they kicked down. And so they, they, he kissed up to the pastor who came in, who was one of the nicest people you've ever met. Uh, the church gave us a cocker spaniel when we needed a Doberman pincher. <laughs> and, and so I'm sure he was part of the selection process. And then uh, after that person left, uh, he just went back to his usual ways. In fact, we got punished for complaining uh, uh, about him. So what I saw there and what I know in doing this ministry for over 15 years now, an expert witness in legal cases, um, is, that, is that they don't listen to peace, love, and understanding. And that's a very tough thing for Christians to realize. You're not dealing with the majority of people. You're dealing with a somewhat psychopathic 15% of the population, you got to speak their language, power and consequences. And basically, you have to have a bigger stick than they have. If you don't, you are not going to reform or change that place. I would recommend that you leave. 
Well, those are among the reasons that transparency and an independent board are a lot of the things that we talk about here at Ministry Watch related to good governance and why it's so important. You know, we've already mentioned Mark Driscoll. I was covering Mars Hill Church uh, back in 2013, 14, and 15 when a lot of that stuff was happening. One of the things that I discovered uh, then was that they didn't have an independent board. Their elders were all employees of the church, or at least most of them were. Uh, So that if an elder was actually doing what an elder is supposed to do, which is to be an independent voice and to speak up and to provide accountability and oversight for the senior pastor, um, in this case, the senior pastor could just fire them. So there was a tremendous disincentive for the elder to speak up and a tremendous incentive for Mark Driscoll to just basically uh, have people on the elder board and on his church staff that would only tell him what he wanted to hear. Uh, So the possibility of exercising power and consequences had essentially been stripped away from the elder board, from the people who were supposed to be holding a narcissistic leader into account. Uh, That's where you run into problems, isn't it? Yeah, you certainly do. And so uh, now uh, now at Trinity, I've been in contact with people who are uh, ground zero uh, there as well. They actually reached out to us at the protectors, uh, just got rid of the elders, but there, one doesn't exist. And uh, in fact, and the audacity, they actually refer to that church as a family business. It's in writing. They put it in writing and they say it to other people. What an audacious thing to say that this is a family business, not a church. Well, I don't want to make this too much about Mark Driscoll or any other one person. So I'd like to enlarge our conversation a bit and get you to unpack some of the things that that you've been writing about for years. One of them is this notion that Christians are not really well equipped to deal with narcissists and bullies. We've been taught things that sound biblical, such as to turn the other cheek, which when taken out of context has almost exactly the opposite effect of the intent. Can you say more about that? Yeah, it sure is. It is it is horribly tortured. Uh, and I did an interview with Frank Peretti uh, for my book where his parents told him to turn the other cheek to bullies. And as he put it, it was like blood in the water to, to sharks. They knew he wouldn't uh, defend himself. Yeah. So turn the other cheek really has nothing to do with accepting abuse. When put in context, it has to do with having a generous spirit because Jesus gives us three examples of where um, the law comes into place. If someone turns to you, one cheek turns to them, the other, your left cheek. Uh, If someone asks you to porter one mile, you porter two. If someone asks for your shirt, you give your cloak also. So you were required by law to go one mile. And what Jesus is saying there is, don't let the law be the bar of your behavior. If you're going to be my follower, I want you to be generous, to have a generous spirit. And he says that at the very end of that pivotal uh, portion of scripture. Another thing that's really difficult uh, for Christians is we think, well, if we just love the bully more, that they will change. And uh, I did that for off and on for 15 years in different workplaces. And I just have to tell you, not once did the bully change. In fact, what they did is they just took more territory. Uh, They bullied more uh, because they figured they could get away with it. These people are in ministry. I would argue that they are leaders in title only. They are not leaders by behavior. Their behavior is very different than what their title purports. And we need to 
Well, not be naive. Uh, Paul says to the Corinthians, don't be naive. You are not dealing with a garden variety person. You are dealing with a serial abuser. This is probably someone who has honed their skills at a very young age and uh, just got better and better at it. They shouldn't be in ministry because they're not loving people. They're noisy gongs, as Paul wrote to the Corinthians. Now, I want to be clear on one point, Paul. I don't think what you're saying is that we shouldn't love. Christians, after all, should be known by their love. I think what you're saying, and correct me if I'm wrong here, is that enabling behavior is not true biblical love. When we allow bullies to continue bullying other people over and over again, that's neither loving the bully nor loving the people who are being bullied. Not true biblical love. Am I getting you right on that point? And uh, yes, amen. And also it harms the reputation of the church. It is. uh, And often people who give into that, uh, it isn't really love. The most loving thing you can do with such a person is to confront them in the truth and love. Uh, But uh, we normally don't do that. In fact, we often succumb to the sin of cowardice, Revelation 21.8. The Bible lists cowardice as a sin. And many of us are sinning by not confronting uh, such people. We're we're given into fear, not godliness. I want you to unpack another myth that I often hear, Paul, uh, when I'm reporting abusive behavior in the church. I will often hear someone say to me, touch not God's anointed. Again, another biblical verse. uh, People say that if a ministry is bearing fruit, God must be in it. I heard that when I was reporting on Mark Driscoll and then later on Ravi Zacharias, James McDonald, and Jerry Falwell Jr. I'm not trying to single these guys out again, but I mention them because we have been covering them and inevitably despite their proven and indisputable problems, they retain their defenders. Uh, People tell me to spit out the seeds and swallow the fruit. How do you respond to that? Well, I'm I'm sure glad that uh, Paul didn't have that uh, attitude in his writing, too. He called out bad behavior from church leaders, and we have to. And I get some of that argument. I really do. Today, any behavior we don't like, uh, we call it bullying. And, um, and, and so, if, again, we, you spoke earlier about strong leadership. You know, sometimes you got to say no, and sometimes you have to say it emphatically in order to keep a mission going. So if we get to a real understanding of what is abusive behavior and what's not, uh, I, I think that can provide a lot of clarification. I liken this to um, hurting versus harming. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, uh, what I wrote may have hurt you but I didn't harm you. So getting your feelings hurt every once in a while, not getting that promotion in the workplace, seeing unsavory behavior, but it's not a pattern of unsavory behavior. Some of that stuff is human, probably need to let it go, move on. Um, We're talking about serial, habitual abuse of other people. Uh, Those people do not belong in ministry and they're abusers plain and simple. Paul, I want to pivot a bit in our conversation and maybe broaden it beyond the church. The church, the ministry world, operates in a context, and that context is the larger culture. And one of the things that you say in your book is that bullying is not just a school problem or a youth problem. You and I have already talked about it in the context of the church and the context of ministry. But you say that it is a cultural problem, and one of the reasons that we've become so accepting of narcissism in the church 
church is that for years we've been accepting it and even celebrating it in the culture. We see television programs like Hell's Kitchen with Gordon Ramsay. Donald Trump was on The Apprentice before he was a political candidate, of course. And we celebrate hard-driving entrepreneurs such as Steve Jobs at Apple, even though we know that his personal behavior was often abominable. On the one hand, we could say, well, that's just a pagan behaving like a pagan, but we don't grieve or reject that behavior, which I think might be a more proper posture for a Christian. Tragically, at a time when it should be easy for the church to show an alternative to thuggish and narcissistic behavior, we have instead embraced that behavior. Indeed. In fact, I'm thinking of writing an article on uh, that we're okay with bullying. We say we disagree with it, we're, we are an increasingly coarsening society. Uh, there is behavior now, particularly what we see on social media, that 20, 30 years ago, uh, we would have protested. No, this, this is wrong. You know, the, the left and the right would come together and say this is wrong. And now we find it entertaining. Uh, the great atheist Salman Rushdie uh, wrote about this, where uh, reality television in particular has uh, trained us to be more accepting of behavior that we would have found repulsive uh, not too long ago. And you're right, Warren, uh, church organizations, we should be an oasis from this behavior. As our society coarsens, we become brighter. Uh, We become a brighter light in our communities. Sadly, we too are accepting this kind of behavior in part through what you said earlier about do not touch God's uh, uh, anointed and other statements like that. It's interesting, Warren, isn't it? We take one scripture and we create a whole worldview out of it, even when that one scripture is, is deeply tempered by other scriptures that we would say, well, just a second, that, that is true. And at the same time, something else is also true. Uh, and it almost always, frankly, uh, Warren favors the abuser. And I think we, again, naivete uh, is, is not a virtue. It's a vice. We're being very naive in regard to the motives of such people. And I, I wonder, uh, after a certain point, will we be held accountable for what we supported? I hope we're not. <laughs> but there comes a point where, where there's so much smoke, there is fire. And a person who just continues to have this uh, tattered reputation over and over and tries to explain it away to people who are too naive to challenge them, there comes a point we bear responsibility for their behavior to some degree. At least we enable it. And, And that is a sin. Well, when you talk about sin, Paul, you've introduced a biblical and a theological category. You're saying that such behavior is not merely corrosive to civil society or maybe the violation of a cultural norm, but it is, in fact, the biblical definition of sin. So, Paul, I want to look at bullying in theological terms. I'm wondering how you would react if I said that bullying is not just a difference in style or intensity of personality, but it really is an affront to human dignity. Uh, It really is an affront to the biblical idea that we are made in the image of God and that we should behave towards each other as if that were true. In fact, you have a chapter in your book called Bullying as Self-Worship, and that causes me to wonder this. Is there a real sense in which the church's tolerance of 
bullying behavior is really a tolerance of idolatry. Is that a fair characterization? It sure is. And then what we do is we explain it away by saying, well, the bully has pain in their past. You know, they were hurting. So we just need to love them more. And uh, it's, it's a really a, a, a you said earlier, yes, we need the love. Uh, but such people, that's the wrong prescription uh, in many cases for such people. They need love, but it, it's tough love uh, that they need. Statistically, bullies are not any more broken than any other group of people. Uh, but we, we have this myth from pop psychology uh, that they are. We really need to overcome that. And we need to, we need to embrace a very inconvenient truth. And that is a serial bully knows what they're doing. And they don't care about the consequences. They don't care if they harm other people. They only care largely about what they want. And such a person just should not be running a church. They shouldn't be running a ministry. And I'll I'll give you one example. All uh, liars are not bullies, but all serial bullies lie. Every one of them lies. So a pastor who has a tattered history of bullying is lying and they lie pretty regularly. They often do false police reports against their enemies or people who they perceive to be their enemies. And these are people who just stand up to them. Um, So that lying itself can disqualify them when it's a serial habit. Paul, we've been talking about bullying and what it looks like and even citing some examples, naming names even. But what should we do about it? Uh, For those of us hearing your voice and saying, "Okay, I'm convicted that this is a real problem and that bullying in the church is real and important and I have a duty to stand against it, that it is every bit as important and every bit as real and every bit as damaging and corrosive as financial impropriety and sexual impropriety. If that's true, what should I do? What should should the church do? Well, I'm assuming that most people are listening are average churchgoers, right? What what can you do? Well, the one thing would be uh, that I would recommend what's taking place right now in some churches uh, in America, beleaguered pastors, and rightly so, would be be very careful where you give your money. I mean, you have control over that. I highly recommend that if someone has a history of serial bullying and where 39 former pastors and elders of a church say that person is disqualified, stop giving. You have control over that. There's so many worthy ministries that need that. Your ministries, for for example, uh, where we, we can't do what we do uh, without uh, financial support. Stop giving. Uh, the other thing would be speak the truth in love. Uh, confront that behavior, call it for what it is. Uh, You can say things like you're bearing false witness against another person. And that's one of the 10 commandments we're not supposed to do. Uh, You're lying about this person. You are harming their reputation. Christians shouldn't do that. Uh, Now that can be a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing to say uh, to a leader and you may find yourself on the outs. Uh, but, you know, we're required to speak the truth in love in these situations. Will you will you change the person? Maybe, maybe not. Also, too, realize that many of these people are breaking laws. They're breaking laws. And we say things like, well, you know, uh, it's not going to change the person's heart. OK, laws aren't designed to change a person's heart. Laws are designed to curtail human evil. So keep that in mind. And then I'd say another thing would be stop being naive. Paul says that we should have a sober understanding of this world. And there are people who deliberately harm other people on purpose to get their way. They should not be in ministry. 
you know, Warren, we've been talking about uh, do not touch, you know, God's anointed. And uh, one of the things that comes to mind when I hear that argument is when Paul was writing to the Corinthians, where he, and this is a, a Paul Coughlin paraphrase, uh, you know, you can be a fantastic speaker. You can have a lot of likes on, on uh, social media and you can write compelling books. Um, but if you actively oppose love, and that's what bullying does, it opposes love. If you do that, Paul says you're nothing. You're just a, a, a clanging symbol, a noisy gong. It's about love. It's not being a great speaker. It's not being a really good writer. It's about how well do we love other people? That gets lost in the conversation too quickly. We average church people need to bring it back. Well, Paul, that's a great final word. I I really appreciate you being on the program today. And thanks for your book, Free Us From Bullying, Real Solutions Beyond Nice. Uh, Well, thank you for having me. Love to come back. That brings to a close this Ministry Watch Extra podcast, my conversation with Paul Coughlin. You can learn more about Paul's organization, The Protectors, by going to theprotectors.org. A couple of quick notes before we go. I'd like to remind you that there is a quick, easy, and free way to support the program, and that's simply to rate us on your podcast app. The more ratings we have, the easier it is for other people to find us. You can also leave a comment when you give us a rating. I can't respond via the app. It's not a two-way communication, but please know that I read all the comments and I find them encouraging and often very helpful. If you decide that you would like to support us financially, I want to share with you a very special offer that we have this month. For a gift of any size, we will send you a one-year subscription to World Magazine as our thank you. That's both a digital and a print subscription. If you went to World's website, this would cost you more than $100. But if you go to our website, that's ministrywatch.com, you can set the price. Now, of course, we hope you'll be generous, but there is no minimum gift size. And if you're already a subscriber to World, this is a great way to give a gift to a family member, maybe your pastor or a friend. Again, just go to ministrywatch.com and hit the donate button at the top of the page. The producers for today's program are Rich Rosell and Steve Gandy. We get database and other technical support from Kathy Goddard, Stephen DeBerry, and Casey Suddeth. I'm Warren Smith coming to you from Charlotte, North Carolina, along with my special guest this week, Paul Coughlin. You've been listening to the Ministry Watch Podcast. Until next time, may God bless you.